Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. Today I'm interviewing Bo Brown. He's a man that I found just by my marketing efforts, uh, looking for more customers for my structural engineering business. Uh, Bo is a home inspector who has done some cool things in his life, but he has had his suicidal moment, and he talks about that in this interview. Bo gets very vulnerable, and I appreciate that out of him, especially considering that he and I, well, you know, up until the interview, we were strangers. I'd never met the man. Here's a man who knows who he is, and he's inspiring. Here's the interview. Welcome to Manalyzing, Bo Brown. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. You, um, you're a home inspector. Yes. And, uh, and like so many of the other guys that I interview, we go way back. Oh yeah. Way back. (laughs) (laughs) I met you about one minute ago. Yeah. Um, I, at least in person, we, uh, I, I texted you what a week and some change ago. Yeah, we can change to go. I got a message from you saying, hey, if you're looking for a structural engineer, I got your back. And I was like, I'm already referring you if you didn't know that. <laughs> Tell me about you. You're a home inspector now. Yeah. And how did uh, how did that path happen? What 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 got you to uh, this point? I'll give you the, sh- the short version. It's a little, uh, uh, it's kind of a weird winding path for me. Um, I started out, I as kind of a handyman, I ended up going to business school before I got my business degree. I lost my mind and decided that that just wasn't for me. I wasn't going to be happy being a business guy sitting behind a counter. So I changed things up and decided to become a helicopter pilot. And I flew helicopters for uh, professionally for quite a while. Um, but as a helicopter pilot, there's a lot of downtime, a lot of time where you're not flying or you're looking for the next gig. It's not the glamorous life a lot of people think it is. And I spent a lot of time trying to fill the dead spaces with money and things to do so that, you know, we had money to go do things. And I ended up relying a lot of my skills on just being, I'm really good with my hands. So I ended up doing handyman work, repair work. I was doing um, remodels in Hawaii. And one of the pilots that I was flying with for a competing company had a home inspection business. I don't remember exactly how it all came together, but I ended up working for him. Uh-huh. He ended up becoming kind of a mentor for me, and um, I quit what I was doing. I quit helicopters, uh, moved away from Hawaii back to Utah, and started my own inspection business two weeks before they shut down the government for COVID. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's a great time to get started. I'm it, was, thinking, it was a great decision. Dude, you're doing everything backwards. You're going from helicoptering, which to me does sound glamorous, in Hawaii, which sounds glamorous. Right? Coming to cold Utah, which doesn't sound glamorous, and doing home inspections, which I know is not glamorous. Um, I did it for my family. Uh-huh. I did it for my daughter. But um, mostly I did it for me. I was not as happy as I thought I would be in the helicopter piloting career. Um, it's a great industry to be in if you're a single guy or a single woman. You know, it's, it's a be frank about it if we're going to talk about this it, well, it's hard there. for women in that industry and the men know it most of them do um but either way as a as a man there there's a there's a joke that goes through the industry it's called aids um aviation induced divorce syndrome <laughs> and it's true <laughs> i you don't you don't meet very many pilots that haven't been on at least one divorce i got really close to one myself uh-huh. so why is that? Just because you got to be... Uh, uh, yeah, you got to be away a lot. A lot, a lot to be a helicopter pilot, or at least the way I was doing it. So to kind of talk you through the progression on becoming a helicopter pilot, you, you get your license, you become a flight instructor. This is like a kind of like a journeymanship. You're doing the hard-end work. This is not easy or fun. Uh, they pay you next to nothing for it. Then after that, you can move into bigger and better stuff. But as you get into bigger and better industries... Um, a lot of the helicopter piloting stuff, you want to make $200,000 a year, you're gone three quarters of the year. You're not going to be home. You're flying oil rigs in Papua New Guinea. You're flying 
um, mines in Alaska. You're putting fires out in California, and you're on a fire crew for half the year. Half of the time, you're gone. You don't you don't get to have a family life and be a successful helicopter pilot. And if you do, you got one of the rare jobs. I, I yeah, I think it's it's one of the big things. It's why I'm happy to be here to talk. Is you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that um, they're making really good money, but they're sacrificing a lot for it. And um, there's no there's no real alternative. It seems like anymore. It's hard to find something where you can make yourself a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars a year. You'll find people all over the internet that'll say it's possible. Uh huh. But uh, to find an actual job that those aren't for everybody, um, you got to find something that you like doing. You know, there's there's feeding your family. Yeah. And then there's you got to like doing it. I I I picked up a job uh, way back ten thousand years ago when I was working for somebody else. And it was a nice little increase. You know, I went from, and this might indicate how, how long ago it was, but I went from 30000 to 40000 a year. Okay. And that was a lot of money. That would be, well, let, let me make a guess on this one then. So that was uh, 80s. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But I found that, you know, what I was doing was paperwork. And at the same time, it, it was it was this bad. My my job was to write change orders, and it was at Hercules. We were doing rocket motor design, and my thing was to say, "All right, we're we're going to put, for example, uh, eighteen of this kind of bolts with this head made of this material and this number of threads per inch at this length." You know, and I'm like. This may be rocket motor design, but it is, it is insanely boring, and I hated it, and I'd come home every day honoring. You know, it's kind of in the category of make a lot of money, uh, but your wife hates you. Uh, yeah, so uh, when I was flying in Hawaii, they uh, I, I upgraded from the first company that I was working for in Hawaii and uh, went to the largest company in Hawaii. I'm not, I'm not going to name them in this, but went to the largest company that was flying helicopters in Hawaii. And I got moved out to their smallest base on the island I was on and was flying really short tours, which I was not happy with whatsoever. Uh-huh. And they just pile people in. You go up for a tour. You come back and repeat yeah. over and over and over. Rinse Seven and or eight of these in a day. Say the same words Say, every time. Well, I, I mean... Tell the same joke every single time they, they get in, and everybody thinks it's funny. You look over and goes, your first time in a helicopter? Eventually, somebody would say, yeah, and you go, oh, mine too. I'm glad I'm not alone, you know? <laughs> uh, so it makes everybody laugh. It gets a, gets a chuckle every single time, but I told that joke thousands of times over the years. Uh-huh. And um, I would come home mentally exhausted from spending the day trying to make these people have the time of their lives make sure that I got a good tip at the end of the day because that was part of my income. And that I just and mentally was not there enough for my family and my wife. That was one of the things that led to my wife eventually left. Um, I was there by myself for a while. And then, um, you know, I ended up deciding that I was going to start a business when I moved back here. My wife and I worked things out. We're together now. I mean, it all turned around. Uh-huh. But um, I tell people, you know, I used to fly helicopters. I used to do it on Hawaii, and I get that reaction all the time. Why on earth would you leave flying helicopters in Hawaii? I would kill for that. Uh-huh. I would have, too, at um, the age 20. But uh-huh. by the time I was 30, it was a different story. Right. You had other priorities. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for the adventure anymore. Yeah, maybe. my wife and I were talking about uh, how much of a difference it makes having a family. Uh, you learn what love really is, and... You know, we were talking about how you really don't know what love is until you got kids. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you think... You don't know what love is or problems are <laughs> until you have a kid. Like, the, like, they take on a whole new level of problems. That is that is very <laughs> true. I had a real weird, unique experience with it, too, because when we moved to Hawaii, we brought on... So, my wife had a couple of cousins whose mother had died before we moved to Hawaii. And both of them were in kind of a rough situation, so we brought him on with us, and the boy, Zach, he was 14 when he moved out to Hawaii with us, mm-hmm. and his sister was 16, and Blakely, my daughter, was two. Okay. And we had, so I got to experience the teenagers and the two-year-old at oh. the same time Oh. while 
also having it was it was a crazy experience. Hawaii was rough for me. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I I can only imagine teenager hard, two year old also hard. Yeah. And, for different completely different reasons and, <laughs> and sometimes the exact same reason because <laughs> <laughs> they're both babies they're both in a bad mood today and they got to be rough when they're in a bad mood <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you saved the marriage uh and this this question is for the guys who are in that place where you know whether it's uh aids aviation induced divorce yeah or whether it's something else painters induced divorce <laughs> or car salesmen induced divorce or i don't make enough money or i hate my job induced divorce uh, i've i recognize some of those i, I gotta i gotta tell this story so i was doing okay. i was doing a home inspection and i was out in front of the house and this was a number of years ago but i heard a bunch of uh, screaming from across the street and um and it was, it doesn't matter how much money I make, it's never enough for you, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. that that conversation was easily uh, audible, hearable for at least the entire block. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was it was a yelling match and those aren't that uncommon, but having the, having it be in the front yard is a little less common. And, you know, I was thinking about that for a long time ever since. I really think that what he was yelling at her, accusing her of, was actually what was going through his mind all of the time. It doesn't matter how much money I make, I'm never enough. Uh, so I had to tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that us guys do to ourselves. Um kind of the opposite of being being uh daddy atm is daddy the atm is empty and and that sucks too yeah well so i've had those feelings before uh -huh. we felt like you're never making enough i i mean we we moved from california to hawaii the idea was we were going to be making more than we'd ever made and then we brought on two kids more than what we already had and we were strapped like I'd had no clue how expensive it was to live in Hawaii. I knew how much I was going to be making, but I didn't realize how much of that it was going to take to actually exist. Uh -huh. And then um, I quit that job because I wasn't making enough and moved to another one that was even better. But by that point in time, the problems that I had caused and I mean, it's, it's a both sides story, but um, the problems that were there were hard to get past and more money wasn't making it better. So, I mean, if I, I guess a piece of advice I can give is if you feel like no matter how much money I make, things aren't going to get better, it might not be the money that's the problem. Right. It, it really, like, you need to slow down and reevaluate. It really might not be the money. I think you've done that. And I think uh, I need to ask you questions that, that draw that out of you. Um, but, yeah, I, I think one of the ways that us guys measure ourselves uh is what titles we have, and yeah. uh, that's probably second place. What, how much money we make is first. I, I'd have to agree. I think that um, it seems like you know, in, in today's modern society, there's a lot of us that your your worth is measured by your worth, right? Right, not by not by who you are, but your or worth what you're doing, but measured by your net worth. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a tough one to get past. That's like for for women right now. Um, I can't tell you how often I have to tell my wife or even there's other women in the world. I know there's plenty of women in the world that want you to constantly reassure them on how good they look. Uh -huh. And it's part of, I believe, because of the pressures the world puts on on, on the way they look. And it just, um, when your buddy buys something brand new, if you don't take the time to tell him, dude, cool new gun, uh -huh. right? He's going he's gonna to feel like you're not appreciating the thing that he did or he achieved. It took me a lot of work to get past feeling like that like i was tied directly to my accomplishments i still have trouble with it actually a lot yeah i would i would imagine i've got a 30 year old son who is his truck yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got this truck guys. in the driveway yeah i'm awesome yeah and i'm like dude it's a piece of metal yeah uh so i've had i've actually had a really really rough week just late recently uh -huh. and i had my dad come over last night him and i were talking um, and he had to remind me that too, like, 
Uh, so my cars, I've got three broke down cars in my driveway right now. Uh huh. And they're all broke down for different reasons. And it's super stressful because it's like, just as I'm starting to get one finished, the next one breaks down. I, I like to work with my hands. So I'm the one doing these things, of course. And, um, I, had a, I was just, I got a lot of broken stuff around, around me right now. I have to keep reminding myself, I'm not the stuff around me that's broken. I'm not these things that have failed or aren't working. It's not me. It's not my worth. Those are just things that I'm associated with, and they're not working the way I want them to right now. But they'll get better eventually. Yeah, my demons. I know where my demons would take me, and I'm sure it's the case for, if not most every other man, then probably every other man. But my demons would say, you know, my cars are broken. Uh, my life is broken. I'm broken. Oh, yeah, that's a hard one to fight. I am, um, like I said, I was I was having trouble with that literally last night. Had my dad over. I was telling him, dude, I am having a rough week. I'm getting emotional talking about it right now. Uh -huh. It's been a rough week. I've had a lot of rough things happen all at once. Um, and sometimes it's tough to remember. You're not your problems. Um. I guess that's all I got to say on it for the moment. Where else do you want to go with this? I'm trying to avoid it on purpose already. Um, <laughs> and I'm more than happy to give it a pregnant pause know, because it's, it's, this is one of those beautiful yeah, moments. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It was, it's been a real rough week. So to get, uh, without going too far into the sob story, uh -huh. the truck broke down. I'm trying to expand my business. I didn't have time for that. Uh -huh. So I took it to the dealership. They couldn't find the problem. Convinced they're idiots, I took it to another place that I thought would find me the answers. While it was there, somebody slashed all four tires. Oh, man. And they refused to fix them. The, the, the mechanic won't do anything about it. Which, I mean, it's in a, par it's in a parking lot. Uh -huh. I feel like they're responsible for it. But at the same time, too, I can see the logic and the argument behind it. So I went in there and I told them, look, don't make me be mean. Just fix this for me. Uh -huh. So they patched the tires, which is a sidewall patch. It's not a great solution there. But I get it home. And start working on it myself. I get torn into it. It's the worst thing it could possibly be. I've got to pull the whole engine out of that truck. I've already got another truck in the yard that's my work truck. It's broke down with the engine out of it too. And then last night, the dishwasher broke and went bad. The microwave broke and went bad. My wife came home and said, hey, I was over at my mom's house trying to help clean. The vacuum broke. Oh, man. Like, it's all at once, man. <laughs> so it was... I was having a rough night because I was feeling like, oh, that was my fault. And in no way. Wasn't your fault. It's not. Remind, <laughs> Just have to remind yourself of that. Reminds me of a country song where it's like, yeah, I got no money and my, and my washer breaks. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, listen to country much. But uh, then the response is, yeah, that's life. Um, and, of course, it, it makes perfect sense to say it that, just because my washer broke doesn't mean I am. Yeah, right. Uh, but we all do it to ourselves. So, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook just a skosh. Oh, well, that's fine. We can go as far as you want to go with this. I'll open up. If I'm going to cry like a little baby, I guess I will. But uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be perfectly honest here. When I when I have a guest who who opens up and cries. I feel like that's a success for me because I have made it a safe enough place that the person feels like it's okay for him to do it. Well, I, I listened to one of your podcasts on the way in here earlier today. I had time to do it and I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, that, that's the whole point of this, right? Is right. we're supposed to be talking about things that other guys don't want to talk about. Traditionally, this would be a subject still sore to me. I wouldn't talk about it for a week Okay. to anybody else. Yeah. But I'll open up here today. Okay. That's what we got to do. It's good for men to see other men doing that sort of thing. Well, let me give you a break from that. We'll come back to, to the uh, deeper, darker stuff. But um, I let's step back a bit. Okay. You've got a few followers. <laughs> a few. <laughs> um, it still kind of feels unreal sometimes. But the social media thing, I realized that it was going to be something that would help my business grow back when I was trying to figure out how to grow a business um, during the COVID shutdown. Uh -huh. And so I decided to sit down and analyze the social media and come to my own conclusions on what was entertaining, what people find interesting, how to create content that people want to see and grow a page because people are interested in what it has instead of sensationalizing. 
And so I devised an idea and a plan and implemented it and then reintegrated on that over and over and over for about six months until I started achieving success. And then I just stuck to that. And I've tweaked it a little bit, but in the last year and a half, it's it's done what it did. I, I think a lot of people are going to be listening, and this is the reason I'm I'm wanting to go this direction right now, is okay. a lot of guys are going to be listening and going, man, I don't make enough money, or I do make enough money, but I'm insanely bored. I need something more and different in my life. Okay. And so they're thinking, you know, if this guy knows how to, um, how to do social media, that sounds fun to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do this mini segment on social media so, so that I can in, perhaps inspire okay. some of those 50,000 guys. Okay. Do um, you have a website on that? Um, the, on the social media or the, for the home inspection stuff? What, what? Uh, whatever you... So I've got, I've got a website for, the, to, for my home inspection stuff that's uh -huh. primarily for my business. But the social media... Um, I started teaching classes on how to do social media about six months ago. It's a it's a growing thing that I'm I'm trying that I've realized there's a lot of people in the world need that. They need somebody that can come show them how to make the videos that fit well on social media. How do right. you make short form content? How do you make long form content? How do you what do you um, what do you clip out? What is the fat that can go? What is the what is the stuff that you should keep? Right. Um, what are the basics? to create a viral video. You know, I, I went through and watched hundreds upon hundreds of videos that had hundreds of thousands of likes and hundreds of thousands of views, millions of views sometimes, and carefully watched those videos strictly with the intention of figuring out what is in this video that is the same as the last video that I watched that was viral. The two of them have to have something that's the same. They've all got to have something in common, right? And I tried to figure out what that was and then reproduce it in my videos over and over and over. And every now and then I get one that goes viral. On average right now, I have a video that gets over 100,000 views about once a week. Oh, nice. Which is hard to do for a lot of guys that have 50,000, uh, that have 80,000 followers, let alone 50,000 followers. Uh -huh. um, so it's just, I after figuring that out and doing it, I started talking to people about it and giving them advice and their videos started doing better. And I realized I've got some knowledge here that maybe not a lot of people have, or maybe a lot of people do, but I present it in a better way. What's your website on that? I don't have a website for it yet. Um, if you guys want to see what I do and you're looking to get in contact with me, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. On Instagram and TikTok, I'm homeinspector underscore Salt Lake. On Facebook, I'm CNH Inspections. You can find my phone numbers and stuff on there. Um, I'm looking to grow and expand and teach more people how to do this social media thing. Awesome. Okay. Um, as you were building that, uh, we all have our demons. Did your demons come at you as, as that was happening? Did they tell you, uh, you know, you're not good enough to be an influencer. You'll never do this. Why are you doing this? Uh, did you have any of that? Um, my demons show up after I start interesting yeah so i don't have the voice in my head that says you can't do that and it might be a problem in my life <laughs> uh -huh. it might have led to a lot of issues in my <laughs> life um but i don't i just don't have a voice that says no bo you can't be a helicopter pilot i decided i wanted to be a helicopter pilot and then became one okay um i decided that i wanted to quit helicopters and start a home inspection business and i did it i decided i wanted to become an influencer and i did it um the problem is, is that once I get started and things don't work out the way I thought they would, that's when the voices show up and say, you, you always do this. You start something that you think you're going to do. You've decided you're going to do it. It's just going to fall apart in your hands, man. You're not going to get it this time. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know enough. You're just faking it. You know, this isn't an area like, who are you to, you know, you were a helicopter pilot. Now you're a home inspector. How, how do you know anything about social media? Where, where do you get the gall to think that you can figure it out on your own? There's people that make entire careers, go to college for this stuff to figure out how to do it. How do you know how to do it? Um, and fighting those voices, that's, that, those are some of my big fights, is convincing myself that once I've started a project, I'm good enough to continue and finish it. Um, sometimes they win. There's, there, uh, so I listened to one of your podcasts uh, just recently on the way in here. You've talked about with other guys about thinking about suicide. I've had that moment. 
Okay. Um, I've had to get past that. And that was the same voice that talks to me sometimes when I go to start a big project. The voices in my head sometimes will tell me, you're not going to succeed, though. This isn't going to work. And I have to struggle to get past that. And I can't do it alone. I thought I could for a while, but that was where I got where I was wrong. That was the one that got me in that dark situation. I, you can't do it alone. You got to talk to the people around you. Lean on them. Get some support. Um, get advice. When you've got a big idea and you want to move forward with it, you should talk to the people in your life about the idea. And those that don't think it's a good idea, listen to the conversation they're trying to tell you, the reasons why they're trying to tell you it's not a good idea. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. But they should be the voices in your head that are saying you shouldn't do it, not the evil one that hates you. Because I think we've all, you know, as guys, we've all probably got that that nasty evil voice in the back of your head that tries to tell you that you're not good enough or that um, you're not going to make it or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. It gets in the way. Um, you should listen to your dad be critical. But I shouldn't listen to that voice because it's way meaner than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I... You know, I go back to, I married uh, Julie 21 years ago. Okay. And at uh, the time, she was the secretary of the state. Um, that was the height of her accomplishments at that point in her life. And I married her, and I knew that there was much more to her than had been showing up until then. I mean, she had been in Amway, and she was, I could tell she was really good at MLM stuff. She did good at in Amway. Yeah. yeah okay. That's, wow. All that's, right. <laughs> yeah. That's like impossible. But, uh, and again, this was, uh, this was many years ago, but she was bringing in, you know, two, $3,000 a month in Amway back when that was some money. Yeah. So I married her and, um, I could see a lot of doubt in her and she actually voiced it one day. She says, what makes me think that I can run a business? And, you know, my best answer for her was, trust me, I've let, I've met a lot of business owners and they're all idiots and you got more brains than they do. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. All the way. I, don't, I, I get that all the time. All the time. I think to myself, what on earth are you doing, Bo? Running a business? couple of businesses uh -huh. what are you doing and um the answer is whatever the heck i want to do and this seems to make me happy right now so that's the direction i'm going in oh uh, it's not about your secure your insecurities then it's about this is what i want to do so i'm gonna for, do it for me yeah, a lot a lot of times but that's what that's where i end up you know going I'll, I'll, i go through these big life adventures it seems like where i'm trying to figure out what i'm going to do next I figure it out, appoint myself in that direction, do what it takes to achieve that goal, the steps it takes to achieve that goal. Um, and then the last two times I did this where I got to the end, I didn't know what to do with it. This time, uh, the, the next two times that I did that with CNH inspections, I have goals for that business. I want it to grow. I have goals for that, for the social media thing. I want it to grow and help CNH. But I also have goals for that. Um, I think that's one of the things that helped me um, pull myself out of my darker places is to realize that for a change, instead of just saying, I'm going to become a helicopter pilot. And then once I did that and I got to the end of it, I was like, okay, now I have to be happy with this. Right. Instead it's okay. So the steps that I want, the things that I want to achieve, once I get there, am I still going to be happy with the fact that I achieved it because I'm a doer and I'm sure there's a lot of us that are doers and you get done and you're wondering if you're happy with the project or anything like that. Um, I feel like at the end of helicopters, I didn't realize it was going to be what it is. I should have looked into it and figured it out. I should have had a plan further than just, I'm going to fly helicopters. That's going to be really cool. <laughs> um, and with the home inspector thing and the social media thing, I feel like I've got a plan further ahead and it's really helped me stay balanced. And maybe the, maybe that's the key. I'm looking for the difference between, um, you know, your path and maybe the guy who has the eight to five job that he's had for the last 20 years and he's hated every day of it because he feels trapped. Daddy ATM, you know, got to keep bringing home the money because the wife and kids need to keep eating. Yeah. Uh, you've given yourself permission to have a little bit of an adventure in life. Um, and you know, I, I did the same thing. I mean, I went uh, searching for the almighty dollar and got, and who would think that designing rocket motors would be insanely boring? 
actually, I know a couple of people that would agree with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that was about the same time my, I think it was my first daughter. She would have been under one year old and she had constant toothaches and earaches and she just cried. She, you know, she cried all night, every night. So my wife and I would take one and a half hour shifts because less than that was not enough sleep time and more than that was humanly impossible. Um, and so I would be standing there in the living room holding her dreaming about how do I write an engineering changeover with an is and was condition uh, showing how she needs to stop crying or how she is crying and she needs to stop crying. You know, what does that is and was condition look like? <laughs> And then I'd be frustrated because I couldn't figure out how to draw that. Um, that that's how bad it was. Wow. Uh, and then I'd go to work and try to survive, and that was that was rugged. But it's um, you know I, I I I went there chasing money. I was like I thought that all that mattered was the money. If I made more money, I was more happy. I found out later that was not true. Uh, they've done a lot of research on it lately. It turns out after $200,000, you're not any happier. Uh -huh. uh, and even then, for somebody who has yet to hit that $200,000 mark, um, more money isn't... I was making more money than I've ever made in my life flying helicopters in Hawaii uh -huh. um, once, I, once I got to the big company. Um, I was still living pretty poor because it was, it was Hawaii. Uh -huh. uh, but I moved out here and made a lot less money. I started up with a company that I, when I left those guys back in the day, they were the nine to five that got me through college, right? Um, and got me through my aviation school days. When I left those guys, I swore I'd never go back. I was so unhappy with them. And I came back out here after flying helicopters for years and years and start right back up with them because they were more than happy to have me because I still knew all of that stuff. And it was the stablest paycheck I could get while I started a new company. Uh-huh. And it felt like going backwards in a big way. But I was so happy to do it at that point in time um, because it was it was headed in the direction I felt like was leading to more happiness for me and less worry about, I mean, there's still worry about money. There's still worry about a lot of stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm with my family out here, here in Utah. Um my daughter gets to see her grandparents in Hawaii. She was seeing them once a month or not once a month, once a year. Uh -huh. She had no clue who they were every time they came out. She was two. So, I mean, at that age, if it had been a month since she'd seen them, she wouldn't have known who they were, but it made me feel terrible. And I started thinking about it and going, you know, we're going to get to the point where she's 10 and I'm not going to want to move away anymore because you move around a lot as a helicopter pilot uh -huh. and I'm not going to want, to not be gone. And it's already, you know, I moved to Hawaii and lived in Hawaii for a few months, get a base of operations for Jess and I before she moved out there with me. And I missed Blakely taking her first steps. Mm. That was rough. I was not happy with that. So. One of my biggest regrets is I would do that. Uh, in my case, it was about a 45 to 50 minute commute from uh, Salt Lake North Temple to, at the time, Lehigh. Okay. And so I-15 and all the traffic there. And then right the last five, uh, well, maybe three miles. But it, it, was a, it was a horribly maintained road, very bumpy. So, yeah, I, uh, my energy level just got finished off, sapped, as I made those last few miles of my commute. And so I got home, and here's my regret from that time. Um, my, my girls who were, you know, six to ten at the time, daddy's home. Yay, daddy, play with me. And I'm like, oh, give me a few minutes. And so I, I was like, I got to read the paper. I got to do something where nothing is happening. Nobody's talking to me. There's no input. There's no output. I need some zero time. Yeah. And so they were like, okay. And then they went off to play, and that was the end of that. Uh, you know, it Maybe the playing happened later, maybe it didn't. But it wasn't uh, much longer after that that I got divorced and there was no daddy's home time because I lived somewhere else. And um, that was painful. You know, that became, that became one of my bigger regrets at the time. 
uh, still, I mean, I, I could have spent more, more moments when I had access to them. Yeah. I, um, living in Hawaii with my wife and I, and I had those two teenagers living with us, plus the my, Blakely, my little girl. And, uh, Jess said she couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't, uh, couldn't live with, uh, could just couldn't do it anymore. Not digging too deep into all the whys. And she took Blakely and left. And Kenzie, at that point in time, she was 18. So she moved away too. And it was just me and the teenage boy. And um, he was more preoccupied with girls and friends and schools and everything in his life. And being mean to everybody that was close to him, because that's what teenage boys do, than he was about what was going on in my world. And that was a rough like the roughest time in my life was right after my wife left when I was in Hawaii and Zach and I went and got that house and it was just the two of us. Mm, it was, it was a bad, bad six months there. And then Carl and I started working on home inspections. I kind of had a new purpose and things I was going to do. Um, uh, Carl was a great mentor for me. He's the guy that I did the home inspections with in Hawaii. Uh, by the time I was done with all of that, I had a new view on life, new purpose on life. I had to kind of reshape the way I thought about myself and everything else. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but it was absolutely the darkest time of my life was when my wife left and I was in Hawaii by myself. One of the things I, I feel like as the interviewer, I need to do two things well. One is to listen well. The other is to ask good questions well. Okay. Uh, and so I'm trying to do that. I, I probably suck at both. But um, you said you, you reshaped your life. Uh what was the before and after? What's the is and was condition? Oh, uh, physically, mentally, I, all of it, everything. So um, I found myself on a turnout on the Hamakua Highway at like 1 in the morning with a bag of Twinkies next to me and a six-pack of beer in the back that was empty. And I was looking at the guardrail thinking, man, if I went down there, I wouldn't be long before I drowned. Um, and then I went home instead of jumping off that guardrail. I lost 70 pounds. I, um, changed careers. I taught myself a new trade and I started treating that boy that was living with me a lot better. Started treating my wife a lot better whenever we did talk. And I focused more on trying to turn myself into the person that I thought I was. Yeah. than the person I really was. I, I, I wanted to be um, a lot of things. I wanted, to, I wanted to get up in the morning and not be sore and have the energy to go swim at the, you know, when Zach and I went to the beach once, I wanted to go swim with him, and I was in the water for like 30 minutes before I said, I got to get out, man. I'm tired. There's a lot of swimming for 30 minutes, and that was a week later. I was sitting there thinking, 30 minutes of swimming? You couldn't do that? And... That was one of the things that I'm talking about, too, the voices that come in your head later. Uh -huh. I, I'll go out there, and I'll swim, and then later the voices will come in my head and go, I can't believe that you, you know, that's where the voices get after me. Um, so I got some self-help books, started reading those. Uh -huh. um, I went back through some old psychology texts from high school and started learning a little bit about the human mind and what causes your brain to do those sort of things. And... Um, I kind of turned my own self around, but it wasn't permanent. I'm, I'm currently in therapy. You want to talk about that? So, um, moved back from Hawaii, got back with my wife. Things were great. They did really, really good for like a year and a half. And then things backslid a little bit and we had some big fights and they didn't go anywhere good. And I realized that, um, well, and that with some prodding from my wife, of course, that the self-help route you know, to fight my own demons on my own. It worked for a while, but it's not a permanent solution, I don't think. you got to have other people helping you with this that you can talk to about it. And, you've, yeah, you mentioned that earlier. The, you, you attributed your business success to the fact that you didn't rely on yourself for everything. Yeah. And now you're, you're saying that your marriage success is attributed to you didn't rely on yourself for everything. Right. We might have a theme here. Yeah. I think you found the theme. Don't don't rely on yourself for all of it. You don't got to be self-reliant for all of it. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I have yet to completely learn. I don't know if I've got that one down yet because 
Again, a lot of those problems I'm having right now when my dad came over the other night and I was talking to him, I just felt alone with all of it because I'm the only one that can fix it all. Right. My wife can't. My dad's too busy. So I got to do it all. It got overwhelming. That, you know, between all the other things I have going on, anytime my, uh, my current home life isn't just perfect and smooth like I want it to be. Uh-huh. It feels like a lot right now. So with all of those things combined. Yeah, because you're broken because your truck is. Yeah, exactly. Broken because both of my trucks are broken. <laughs> right? It was it was it was just a pile of things this time. And the more I and see even talking with you about it right now, I was crying about it uh-huh. minutes ago. And now I can sit here and tell you microwave's broken, dishwasher's broken, truck's broken. I gotta redo like completely rebuild two truck engines. I don't have the time for that. But talking with somebody makes me realize it's kind of dumb that um, that I'm so focused on this is something I got to do. I'll get to it eventually. I should yeah. focus more on the people around me and that if I really need the help, my dad will come turn some wrenches with me one evening uh-huh. if I need to. Um, when I was talking to my dad last night about the dishwasher, I'm renting the house I'm in right now from him. Uh-huh. And um, so he's the one that's got to replace it. And that was one of the things he told me last night. Like, this is my job. What are you worried about? Right. Um, we all like to pile on ourselves. Well, I'm, I'm one of those people that rather than call my landlord to come fix my dishwasher, it's a $25 circulation pump in the bottom of the dishwasher. Pull it out and put a new one in. Right. I know that stuff, so it seems real easy and simple to me. To other people, you know, I understand that it can be complicated. But it just, for me, last night, it was like, I got to do the circulation pump in the dishwasher. I got to figure out what's going on with this microwave and buy it and replace one, which means I got to have time to pick a microwave that I think would be a good. And just all that stuff felt like too much last night. And it took having my dad come over. My, I mean, my wife was there and she's a great support. She really is. But you got to sometimes have another guy in your life, too, that can do that. Carl, uh, my mentor in Hawaii. Uh-huh. When I'm having troubles business-wise or even with just ideas in life, I can call him and bounce things off of him. Carl, if you're listening to this dude, I love you. Um, I can call him. He's my mentor. He's the one that I that I bounce those ideas off of. Great. I'm say you're a lucky man. You got two dudes that you can go to. Uh, you yeah. have to realize that you have those in your life, though. Like even if you don't have a dad, there's there's going to be somebody in your life you got that you that you can talk to. Even if you don't feel safe talking to that guy right now, uh-huh. if you just took a second to open up to him, he'd probably be like, "I appreciate the fact that you talked to me about this." And might even open up himself. It's just hard to do that. I I think most of us guys, we give ourselves nobody. I mean, in my case, I think it's this is just a common male malady. Um I didn't intend to rhyme there, but <laughs> but we adopt our wives friends so they're kind of like step friends yeah and then uh, their husbands become step step friends and you uh, i am just not close enough to anybody to really open up with something like that oh my gosh my truck's broken my dishwasher's broken i feel like i'm broken i mean i might go over and uh you know share a coke with them and go yeah uh you know, stay superficial and basically say, yeah, everything's broken at my house. And, you know, you might laugh, but, but, you know, on a deeper level to go, man, I feel like I'm broken. I am not digging life right now. It's hard to say that. I mean, I, I came in here with the idea that I'd open up and just telling you that I was having a hard time is what was causing the tears. Not that I was frustrated about it. I've got past those frustrations. It's just that I don't want to have to tell people I'm having a hard time. I don't like the fact that I'm having a hard time. Why would I want to tell people that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's unmanly. It's like, yeah, <laughs> don't cry, don't have feelings, don't have yeah. anything because uh, because somebody made up a rule that says you you can't have any emotion other than fear. But if you have fear, then you're a toxic man, and we all hate you. Yeah, well, and uh, why wouldn't you overcome your fears? That's what men do. Uh-huh. right <laughs> we overcome our fears um or or man up and shove them down and uh and just pretend that they're not there well that's the same thing as overcoming isn't it <laughs> <laughs> isn't that right and you know what's a real good solution for that jack daniels Ah, oh, yeah, yeah there's all sorts of problems in that bottle 
And, um, you know, and if those guys don't work, then there's another really good solution that solves everything. And that's, uh, that's a D and that's called divorce. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it makes things better. I mean, it makes things simpler because I got to, I feel like I got to have a miniature divorce experience. So when, when Jess and I separated, it was a year and a half Uh before we lived in the same house again. She moved back to Utah and I stayed in Hawaii. Okay. And I mean, I had the opportunity to decide that I was done with this marriage thing and go off on my merry own way and find somebody else. And everything. I mean, I had plenty of time to do that. Um, and I, I, I thought about it. I know she did too. I don't, she's told me her reasons for staying. I'm not going to share those here, but my reasons for staying is because I enjoy my time with her more than I didn't. Um, And I wanted to work things out even after a year and a half. I've had friends. I had a friend in Hawaii who um, had been separated for a while. And he gave me all sorts of advice on his ideas of being married or divorced. And again, having somebody to talk to about that stuff is so valuable. And I don't feel like there are any men in the world that prize that. When I moved back from Utah or from Hawaii to Utah, I had a long time reconnecting with a lot of the friends that I had left here for years and years. They'd moved on with different lives. Uh That was hard because all I had was my dad. And he was busy and I was busy. And then I had my wife. And I'm still trying to get adjusted to that, to people that I have face-to-face here. I've got a friend named Sam. I've got uh, my dad. I I got some work associates. But really, it's just Sam, my dad, and then Carl. He still lives in Hawaii. We talk to each other all the time, but you got to have people in your life that you can talk to face to face if you want to make it through the dark spots. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of us want to make through those through those dark spots. So, um, what you, you mentioned? There's a thousand questions I've wanted to ask along the way, and uh, and then I chose a different okay question. But um, you said at one point that you wanted, or that you. You wanted to be who you are. You wanted to figure out who you really are and then be that guy. Uh, uh, who, who, who is, this is another is and was condition to write on the change order. Uh, who, yeah. who did you want to be? Are you that person now? And how far are you, are, are you presently the person that you want to be? I'm not that person now. Um, I don't know if I ever will be, and that's okay. Uh-huh. Right, um, you can't be perfect. You're never going to achieve every single goal that you desire. And if I tried to hold myself to that, I probably would have jumped off that rail. Uh, for me, who I want to be is the happy-go-lucky guy. I want to be the one that smiles and bounces into everybody's lives and makes things better. Mm-hmm. I want to walk in, and you guys, when I walk out, I want everybody to go, "Man, I like it when he's around." Uh-huh. Right? That's that's what I want. I want to be. I want to be the guy that makes everything better. Um, but that also means that it comes with the caveat of I'm never going to have a bad day. At least that's the way it felt like for a while. I had to realize that I get to have bad days. Um, but I got so um, preoccupied with the problems in life that I stopped being happy most of the time. Oh, that doesn't happen in your present life at all. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, I got so preoccupied in the things that um, I wanted but I didn't achieve that I stopped being happy about what I had. So um, I had to turn that around. I had to, I had to change the way I viewed a lot of that. That's, and that was, I guess, for your, you know, is, was. Uh-huh. It needs to go from I wasn't happy with what was there because I was so focused on all the wrong things. And I needed to be focused on the right things to be the person that I wanted to be. And um, it takes daily work. I have to constantly remind myself, you're focusing too much on the negative things or you're looking at this too negatively. I tell myself all the time, in a bad situation, just stop for a second, take a breath, and find the silver lining. And that takes a lot of power out of bad situations for me. If I stop and say, um, so that somebody slashed the tires on that truck. Mm -hmm. It's at a shop. They haven't got answers for me. Where the heck is the silver lining in this situation? I haven't even got the problem solved yet, and I'm trying to get myself calm enough that when this client gets to this house, I could talk to him without looking like I want to kill him. 
Right. Because I'm in a real bad mood right now. Hey, you get new tires. Exactly. <laughs> the tires on that truck are pretty close to bald. I guess now I have a reason to go get new tires finally. Jess will be happy. Yeah, there's, there's new tires the, on the truck. <laughs> there's the silver lining. At least they didn't slash good tires. And that was it. That was all I had for myself was they were bad tires already. I'd be a lot angrier if I had put new tires on that truck uh-huh. and they were refusing to replace new tires. You know, I've I've heard stories like that where you find out at the very end, uh, and I'm going to ad lib a little bit on this, but you find out at the very end that maybe it was a God thing because that tire was going to blow. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Those I've heard those kind of stories where where that kind of stuff happens. You know, some horrible thing happens, and then you find out, yeah, sure, sure was a good thing it did. Yeah. Anyway, um, you mentioned also that you were you were near suicide. Was that the moment with the Twinkies and the guardrail? Yeah, man. Um, my wife was gone. My daughter was gone. So, and then Zach was mean. And I just couldn't sleep that night. I was stressed. I don't even remember what I was stressing about, but it kept me up. I couldn't sleep. So I drove down the highway because it was beautiful. And I just wanted to see something pretty. And I pulled over and I realized that everything sucked. Uh-huh. My wife's not like everything. Like everything I thought about sucked. There wasn't a single thing that didn't in my life absolutely suck. And how could it suck? I'm a helicopter pilot in Hawaii. What do I have to complain about? I have no room to complain to anybody about these problems. Everybody that I tell, anybody that I mention to, like I'm having a rough time. And I had told a couple of people. I would always get back. Dude, you're a helicopter pilot in Hawaii. What do you mean you have problems? Yeah, I can can see it now. So Zach sucks. My wife sucks. My life sucks. I'm alone. That sucks. Uh, I hate my job, and I can't even – and that sucks. I can't tell anybody about it. That sucks. Um, Yeah. Because they won't listen, and, you know, that sucks. And – you know, I probably even the truck you were driving had something that sucked about it. Uh, actually, I was driving a car that we called Rattle Wagon. If uh-huh. that gives you any idea of just how much <laughs> that car sucked. Um, yeah, there wasn't. It, I had moved into a house that it just it was all bad. Everything, and it, there wasn't a single thing that I could look at. I couldn't find a silver lining. At that point, I wasn't trying to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't changed that try that perspective in my life at that point of time. Um, and it just got darker and scarier and darker and scarier. And then I looked out at that guardrail and I went and sat on it for like a while. Uh-huh. And let my feet dangle. Thought maybe a cop will come talk to me. Nobody came. Nobody I came. I got off of it myself. Why? I was scared. Uh-huh. That's it. I interviewed a guy not long ago who said he would have he was going to commit suicide but he needed to have somebody care and so the one thing that prevented him from committing suicide is he needed to make some friends so that somebody <laughs> would care that he would that oh, he was man. gone that's rough yeah um you know it's and i don't know which podcast you listen to i've had uh, my moments where where i was planning my suicide i was sure that my life sucked yeah. Uh, I was like, you know, I'm, my wife doesn't love me. I don't really have any friends. My kids act like, you know, they could take or leave me. I, I actually asked my wife once, I said, what's the difference between me and a life insurance payment? <laughs> and she thought about it for a minute. She goes, the kids would miss you. And, you know, all of that fed into my belief that, at worst it would be not a problem if i was not on the planet uh, at best hey the kids have got money and you know that was short-sighted i live a pretty good life right now i did lose that woman by the way thank goodness yeah. my uh my present wife julie has an answer to that question you know it's i need you and and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I, I had it planned. I was going to go up uh, American Fork, or no, Provo Canyon, and there's that river there in Provo Canyon. Yeah. And I was going to go in a topless sports car and then just miss a corner. 
and you know they'll end up face down in the river and you know that would be a cool way to end it yeah uh then the biggest decision that i had was should i go in a nice sports car or a crappy one <laughs> because if i'm in a crappy one then the kids at least have a little bit more money so we we've, we've all been there uh you know there's there's some statistics about that but we've all been there and, and yeah it was um it was weird for me i i don't know if everybody's answer is i was scared uh-huh. but for me that's what it boiled down to is i was i was scared that it was the wrong decision i thought about it for a long time i got scared um but i couldn't get off the rail for a while after i got scared um it wasn't until i started thinking about blakely and what the results would do to her uh-huh this is your two-year-old yeah well that and then um zach and kenzie's parents committed her that um she she died um by overdose uh-huh so i know what it did to them um her decision to take her own life was hard on them yeah don't want to do that to my kid and that was inevitably what got me off the rail yeah uh, you know i could go on about uh you know some of the other stories i have about suicide we could we could go there <laughs> all day long i i know one i interviewed one guy who um who got left a couple of times uh one by suicide one by divorce and uh and he just decided that he was somebody that could easily be left that, that he wasn't worth hanging around and that's rough you know yeah we, we all we all sign up for pretty hard lives yeah nobody's nobody's journey is easy regardless of how much money you've got that's for sure yeah yeah that's true i guess you know that kind of brings us around to the beginning of the podcast if uh if you think your worth is um and your purpose is is about whether you're making two hundred thousand dollars or whether you got the truck or whether your trucks are broken <laughs> you're pointed the wrong direction what is the right direction what do you believe is the right direction whatever's right for you so it turns out for me the things that make me happiest are my family and music. I like both of those things. I like also being a creator. I like creating art, the, the whole social media thing. Uh-huh. Um, I like creating things and putting those out. I feel like I'm good at that too. But the reality of it all is is that the most important thing in in my life at least is making sure that I am taking steps in a direction that I think would make me happy in the end. Mm-hmm. And then find the silver lining and the problems that occur on the way there. I, I, I see that. So many of us guys, and I've been many years of my life in this exact place. It's like my job is, my purpose, my role, my everything is to get up in the morning, do the commute to a job that I hate, put the hours in, come home, survive the commute again, make sure my kids are fed, and then get up and do it again. And it doesn't matter that this is barely survival for me, that it's not even existing, and I hate it. But I'm the guy. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to get up, go kill something, drag it home, and that's me. That's my life. That's what I do. And every other man does it, so I need to just accept it. Sure, you can do that, but you're not going to be super happy with that. I mean, there's. I'm not saying that a 9 to 5 is wrong. For everybody, uh-huh. I'm not saying that you can't. Um, that if you're not happy in your job, that you've got to quit your job and go find the job that makes you happy. Right. Um, we are by no definitions the things that we do for work. It is part of who you are. That I, I, the people that try to say you're not what you do for work, I disagree with that. That's part of who you are. Part. Right. You're, you're partly. You partly are what you do for work. It's part. It's part of you. But um, you need to figure out how to make that uh, the the other parts of you matter more than this thing that that sucks a lot if you're working a nine to five you get home and all you do is um, eat dinner watch tv and go to bed my advice would be to find 30 minutes in there to do something that is your hobby i work on social media every night before i go to bed i work on edit my videos i enjoy that some people would probably hate it but um before I go to bed at night, there's two things I do. I try to find a new piece of knowledge that I didn't know before so that I'm always learning something. And then I edit social media now, which is not something I used to do, but it's yeah. it's it's a hobby. Um, if you don't like your job, if you 
don't feel like you're getting anywhere good in life, pick up a hobby because it gives you a chance to to find something that's a mean a meaningful way to do things. Well, and uh, and now you're describing me. My hobby, my passion is is uh, doing these podcasts. Yeah. And I've been on the other side. I mean, I've been in that place where it's like, um, you know, eight to five, eat TV, rinse and repeat. And I blamed everyone but myself because my life was so bland. And, you know, there were some pretty dire consequences for me taking that route. The person I needed to blame was myself. That's a hard pill to swallow, too, as a guy, right? The reason why I was out of shape and overweight in Hawaii was because I allowed myself to get that way. And for me, that's an, something that I'm not, that I wasn't happy with and I was upset with myself about. Um, I allowed myself to get there and then shot myself for allowing that to happen. And um, sometimes it takes friends and families to, or friends to stand back and go, you're shooting yourself over something. If you're upset with your waiter, you're upset with X, Y, Z, A, B, C. The, the solution is you can fix that. Yeah. You do have the option to fix that, right? And you don't need to kill yourself for making the mistake. You made the mistake. You're not happy with the outcome. Fix it and um, talk with somebody about it so that they can tell you you need to fix it and then they can help hold you accountable, which really helps a lot too. Having somebody to hold you accountable for the improvements you want to make in yourself. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say, that's that's the theme, that's one of the themes in, in this podcast, this episode, is have somebody else, let somebody else help you. Yeah. And if you don't have that person, go it's it's up to you. I mean, you can find the hobby, you can find the friend. You but you got to be willing to leave your TV room and go get vulnerable with somebody. Yeah, um, it's really easy to come home after a long day of work. Um, give your wife a peck on the cheek, pat your kid on the head, sit down in front of the TV, and turn on your favorite show and zone out for fifteen minutes. Everybody in the house knows your routine because that's what you need when you get home after a long day. Uh huh. A little bit of time to decompress, like you were saying, right? Right. But it's real easy to take that and just stretch it into the end of the evening, add a couple of beers, and hang out. Um, doing something like that makes you feel good and numb on the inside and kind of takes care of the problems, but it also slowly destroys your family. Right. You're there. You talk with your daughter and you participate when you can and stuff like that. But um, just coming home at the end of the day and sitting down and watching TV, I don't advise on that. I feel like that's real bad for people. Um, come home and find something to do beyond just the TV. I don't care what it is. Just find something to do. Play with your kids. Talk to a friend. We, it's really easy to isolate yourself, to come home, even with all those people around you, and say, I just need some time alone to decompress, which you do. Uh-huh. But it's easy to take it too far. That's what I did, I feel like. I took it too far and it drove Jess away. That and I started getting mean because she was bugging me. Give me some time to be alone. And oh, yeah. She she wanted to be loved and you wanted to zone out and go to... Or, or she'd get home and it had been a long day with the kids. And uh -huh. all she wants to do is go out and go do something on her own for a minute. I'd be like, i just been out you know, working all day long. I don't want to stay here with the kids. Why don't we go do something? Well, we can't go do something on our own. We got to take the kids with us. It just, I was so preoccupied with coming home and trying to decompress from work and um, move on to the next slog the next day and not take my worries and my concerns and all the crap that was weighing on me and talk with anybody about it. Just stuff it down and watch TV. Right. Drink a couple of beers when it gets too bad. Talk to Jose Cuervo. <laughs> right? It kind of sounds like uh, TV is kind of a mini Jose, actually. I uh, think so. Uh -huh. Or it can be. It can be. It can be if you allow it to be. Um, same thing if you laid uh, too much social media, it can do the same thing. Whatever it is that you're allowing to distract yourself with, uh -huh. those distractions in this day and age can be way too good. And they can go from an distraction to a di an addiction of sorts. Right. And start getting in the way and change the way you act and behave. That was part of my problem too is I was trying so hard to get away from the way I felt about things around me not being the way I thought they would be. I thought I'd be this rich, successful helicopter pilot with a family that loved me and I made tons of money and I could go, you know, jet around the world on the week that I was off because I was on, you know, working one week on, one week off, except for, you know, 
You never take the time to think about the fact that one week on, one week off means you're only getting paid for half of the work. Uh-huh. You're not working actually two weeks in, um, in that pay period. There's only one week of pay in that pay period. Right. Um, so the reality started to fall in on me, and I was just trying to get away from it. And as a result, I buried myself in my sadness and my misery and pushed everybody away. And then when they all left, I made it worse. Beat it, I beat myself up even worse. And look at what you just did. You sent them all away. That was your fault for doing well, that. That was more sucked to your list of when you were sitting Oh, uh, yeah. It just got bigger. It, and just kind of like what happened last night. You know, I was having a tough time because there was a bunch of broken stuff in my life. And then in one day, the microwave, the dishwasher, the vacuum, like everything fell apart. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of grateful it did because it, it resulted in a more... A more to you today. Yeah, a more emotional version of me. I'm usually not this weepy, but I had a rough <laughs> night last night. I didn't even get that much sleep, but it's okay. It is. I think this went good. I feel like I. It, I, I feel like it did. Um, you you have uh, you have those fifty thousand followers. What you know? I don't know how many of them are dudes. Let's say forty nine thousand are. Uh, I could I could open it up and tell you exactly what the percentage is. The, it'll tell me. Uh, I, I haven't looked in a while, but it's a majority. You have you have this moment to tell them whatever you want. This moment to tell my 50,000 followers whatever I want. Thank you. That's what I want to tell those people. Thank you for following me, and I'm going to keep doing what I have been doing. I'm trying to um, be a helpful person that educates and entertains but I'm also going to keep doing stuff like this. Uh, on my story, I try to be real and post about my family and my life. I'm going to keep trying to be um, upfront. And I think this this here, too, has helped me out a lot. I, I think I should start speaking out a little bit more on men's mental health and giving some advice on it. Because maybe I have more to give than I thought. I think we all have more to give than we thought. It's a good sentiment. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. No problem. Thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalizing. Manalizing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalizing.com.